Hello and welcome to another episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. This week's no exception as we get around the mics to talk about movies that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, as well as a couple of hot topics that James and I want to talk about to entertain your ears over the next hour, maybe hour and a half if you're lucky. Let's do it, James. <laughs> Let's unleash the podcast on these listeners. Let's do what we do best, which is talk crap. Pretty much. Shoot the breeze. Do Entertain the nation. Well, we're very pleased that you've decided to join us and we thank you for your continued support. Please don't forget to like, listen, comment, share with a friend, leave a review. We'd love you even more than we do right now. We've got a Patreon, we've got all that stuff. Thank you. Subscribe. New episode each and every week, like last week when we talked about Christopher Nolan, the filmography, and James gave us his take on Oppenheimer, the new movie that is breaking the box office with the Barbie movie. It's a weird time to be alive, isn't it? It's a yeah. weird time to be alive. As well, you know, because there's a Tom Cruise movie just kind of going in and out of them two, you know, trying to save cinema, a cinema that is on its knees at the moment. I can see why. We were in a cinema and it wasn't busy. It, it, but then again, so uh, quickly, starting off the bat, we don't have Limitless. You don't have Limitless, I don't have Limitless. You, because it was a decision made because you had a family now and it was harder. You couldn't just drop off the hat and go, oh, mate, I'm going to the cinema. I moved away, so we, we lost that. Uh, myself because money constraints at the time but also it's very little that gets me into cinema Oppenheimer Barbie because of word of mouth I've never been a Mission Impossible fan however supposedly this Mission Impossible is five on five it's brilliant people are raving about it being the best very rare does a series get better Mm. I remember the first one I think it is a bit boring second one was a pile of I didn't like the second one too much face swapping yeah, uh, I def- I, I'm glad that they got rid of a lot of that face swapping stuff. And now it's now it's one of the most successful franchises ever. Mm. Every episode, every every new film, it gets better. Yeah, Fallout was great, and, and you're right. The first one, weirdly, the fir- the first one's really dated because there's, yeah. a, there's a scene where Tom Cruise has these like little glasses on that just looks so like <laughs> 2000s. You're like, oh god, we've moved on. So it is, it is a weird time of cinema. I generally don't know what the future looks like, but it, support your local cinema. Support yeah. your support Kinnam Awards. I, I think it, it's a difficult time for cinema because obviously they need to do a stock take for the right strikes the, the risk of AI taking jobs taking people's livelihoods but I think also just the capitalism like way that the cinema is nowadays like yeah. it's not evolving with the people people want films at home so cinemas need to bring in big budget or they need to bring in films that you haven't necessarily seen or, or need to experience on the cinema because of diversity, inclusivity, because of just new ideas, innovative new ideas. It needs to push boundaries. We, I think the issue is, is that certainly since the pandemic, where people are more and more acclimatised now to watching new releases at home, paying on demand or waiting until they come on streaming services, it's not enough just to be like, it's a Tom Cruise movie it, or it, it's a it's a The Rock movie, Dwayne mm. Johnson movie. The, let's be honest, The Rock has a film coming out in December. He will be the highest paid actor in a single performance in history, so Iron Man, uh, Robert Downey Jr. at the moment has forty million. It was the it was the the, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson is is getting a fifty million paycheck to star in a Christmas movie where he's an elf. He's a gigantic elf, James. Haven't I already seen that film? J.K. Simmons is is the Santa. Oh, I'm in. That's the bit I'm in for. <laughs> I'm in. There you but go. But you think what world do we live in where The Rock is cashing a fifty million paycheck for a Christmas film that's going straight to streaming and he plays a fucking elf? This one. But that's what that's where cinema's got to change. So that's, I know what you're saying right now is it's a, it's a crime. 
And luckily this week I've brought some crimes that people are guilty of. We'll have a discussion on them. I've also got some movies that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Smile that's new out on Now TV, a horror movie that came out last year. Ooh. I want to talk about Fall, which I saw a couple of weeks back on Netflix, a anxiety-inducing, uh, a vertigo-inducing movie about two free climbers going up a, a very tall radio tower. Um, I've also seen, but I'm not going to go into because it's fresh out, Secret Invasion. I'm going to start there in a few moments. Um, and I've seen a new Netflix release as well, uh, which I've completely forgotten the name of. Well, there you go. It was successful. I would like to touch on... Happiness for beginners. That's it. i like to touch on two things, but they are TV and they are from streaming sites. It's Witcher 3, season three, and my end of watching The Witcher. And Futurama, back for the third or fourth time from cancellation, has just started streaming on Disney+. I Plus. did not know that. Yeah, Futurama, back. So, Have you watched Secret Invasion? I've not, but that's maybe something that's going to come up a bit later. Six-part Disney Plus show, obviously Nick Fury at the helm, Secret Invasion picks up uh, the Marvel mantle of Nick Fury returning to Earth to make good on his promise to find the scrolls at home. Yeah. How long is, how long has he not been there then? So this is it. This is where even though I've seen every Marvel movie, my timeline of where Nick Fury is, I remember in certain movies like Homecoming, it revealed that he was up on a space station. Yeah, something and like it's that, yeah. this idea that well actually has he been away since uh since the end of Captain Marvel, which, where which was set in like ninety five, so <laughs> he never he never recruited any Avenger because that would have been a scroll in person. I don't know. Someone smarter than me is screaming at their on the bus or on their commute right now because I'm fucking this up. But yes, there's an idea that he's not always been around. He's been up in space trying with Captain Marvel, which explains where she's been because yes. she's one of the strongest Avengers and she's not been there since ninety five. It's because she's been trying to find the schools at home. Anyway, the story picks up that they haven't done it yet, and when they return to Earth, the because they've been doing for some schools, yeah, some schools are um, creating terrorist attacks. There's a there's a, a, a pirate group of schools that are banded together that are basically <laughs> their their opinion is Nick Fury's not done good on his promise. Therefore, we will take over Earth. And I Make think that our home. I do what I think. All right, it's fair. If he's still having a fight your home thirty years later, he still has it. What's the fuck he been doing? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know how Nick Fury's problem is my problem. It's actually a good shot. Yeah, and it, <laughs> one person didn't. You know what? That one person didn't hold up that. Fuck him. Yeah, it's not like he's trying to find someone an apartment to live in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or, or a car to get to work. He's trying to find him a fucking planet that's hospitable. <laughs> Which, by the way, I will say. Well, when, when Captain Marvel and the others banded off to find Thanos on his little country retreat eating them papayas and, yes, and he lobbed his head off, that pretty. seems like a nice planet to go send the scrolls to. Yeah, it did, yeah. What happened there? Uh, exactly. What happened Exactly. There? That's where I would have put them. Anyway, so there's a group of scrolls now causing terrorist attacks to cause humans to turn in on themselves by uh, setting it up as if the Russians are attacking the Americans, the Americans are attacking the Russians. How, how many scrolls are there? A million by this point. There's seven billion, surely another million, won't it? <laughs> Just let me yeah, it. Well, the thing is, the humans obviously don't know the schools are around, and those that do are fine with it. What the schools want, though, is they want their identity. They want to grow their food. They want to eat and live in their skin. They want to be themselves. It has a social context and narrative that I think is quite timely and quite fitting at the moment, particularly yeah. in the UK, when we've got, obviously, um, you, you know, people venturing into the UK for safer places, safer pastures, and wanting to make a lay, name and a laugh for themselves, and certain communities not wanting those people here. And so I think it has that that um, social yeah, yeah, narrative yeah. that's quite relevant. The, now, the film doesn't... The, sorry, the TV series doesn't really dwell on that too much. No, no, God, what, no. What, what, it, what it does, though, is it tells the story of Nick Fury, you know, putting on the eye patch and getting back to work. And... What I enjoyed about it, because I did quite enjoy the six-parter. Now, 
it it it's quite high budgeted. I think out of all the series, I've weirdly I seem to be the only one who's really liked the Loki series. I know it's getting season two because I think it has to. But it wasn't the most... I don't think anyone's liked any of the series, from what I'm understanding. I think it's been up and down all of them, haven't yeah. they? Whether it be Marvels or Moon Knight or whatever it may be. But I quite like Secret Invasion. And I think the reason why is because it has some very good pairings of on-screen time where I'm like, I love Ben Mendelsohn and Sam Jackson talking shit in a car. Yeah. That I could watch them two do a... I could watch a six-part of them two just driving in cars talking. Yeah, like so they, they have some great actors, scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Olivia Coleman is yes. delightful with Sam Jackson. They have a playfulness together. Amelia Clark with Ben Mendelsohn. They're great pairings. They have these breakout scenes and moments where I'm like, that's that's really good. I really like seeing these characters interact. Game of Thrones had that. Yeah, like, yeah, like a few episodes yeah. you'd have like Arya with Tywin and they were like the best bit but then you'd have Arya uh, with like, the Hound you'd be like oh my god this is even better yeah. they, they, they always had like breakout characters that were really cool next to each other Don, Don Chanel and Sam Jackson sharing a, a, a glass of whiskey at one point where you know the motive of both them characters but they're dancing around it over brotherhoods you know and all this kind of stuff. and it's it's it was good you know and then you know it's interspliced with storyline and explosions and, and threats you know of course there's a new threat and the, the uh, slight spoiler, the, the thing is, the, I suppose the twist is, it's not really, hope it's not a giveaway. I mean, it's all over the internet by this point, so most people have seen it, is Nick Fury has been collecting DNA of all superheroes or a school version of Nick Fury. We, I, you know, So he basically has a super serum that is very similar to what Captain America was injected with, but, this but it is has every DNA in it. And he's been collecting it from New York when the battle happens. He's been collecting it from, you know, all these different kind of scenes and fights and stuff. Like, their agents, when they turn up, that's what they've been collecting. So there's a serum out there. And, he, and one particular character has it at the end, which technically makes them the most, like, effective superhero yeah. of all, because they have all the powers now. And it's like... Fuck, you've opened that door. <laughs> like, let's see where that goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Secret Invasion. Um, and now I know it's a bit of controversy because the opening credits, I believe, were AI generated. They were, and yeah, it was at I the worst time this. possible for them to do that. Yes. And Disney have said it was nothing about, you know, taking jobs. It was more just because it was a convenience or it was just to see if they could. <laughs> because, and... because Disney spent an awful lot of money. They wanted to rain that fucker in. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I will admit, the thing for me was more people in it the, and the pairing it was it's a very well casted series that yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching those couples up and it was always when it was two of them that's what was really interesting it's like oh yeah okay so here's you know there's a scene with um, Martin Freeman in it at the beginning of it I love Martin Freeman yeah and I was like oh yeah interesting character from from obviously the MCU that you know Barney Ross I think his name is in it is I don't yeah. know why I sound so excited you're right thank you and <laughs> Yeah, so Secret Invasion. It's if you haven't right. heard of it, it's this little indie documentary, <laughs> six-parter on Disney+. Plus. I, <coughs> I maintain I maintain that one of the greatest animated TV series of all time is the Futurama. And it's birth conceptualization, obviously from the creators of The Simpsons. It did something daring. It took us to the year 3000. We had Fry, a millennial kid who got stuck in a time... Uh, a frozen tube waits for the future with some great supporting characters and some of the best supporting characters from a TV show you'll ever see mm. the infamous Bender smoking Bender. drinking rioting not giving a fook um, Leela obviously uh, famously became a bit of a sex icon yeah um, the, the Cyclops love interest Cyclops love interest but then there is no greater being than Dr. Zoidberg mm. and um, it's been cancelled numerous times by Fox 
The inside joke, the rind, still paramount. Didn't find a connect disorder. Found a new home on Hulu. Denied. But finally, another launch. One episode. They're doing the weekly launch. It's on Disney Plus. Futurama season 11. And it knocked it out of park. A nice 25 minute episode, which is breaking the fourth wall, akin to Deadpool. Great laughs, the great character, the voice actors are all back. It is like having a hug from your granddad after a very long time. It's soothing, it's rewarding, it's comforting. It's good to know that Futurama, like I say, one of the most criminally underrated TV series of all time, is still going, has found a new home. Watch it. If you've got Disney+, Plus, you've probably already watched it. It is fantastic. The art style, crisp, but obviously it's been, tw- it's been 10 years of maybe a bit longer, 15 years since we're last on the screen. It's grown, matured. It's still very good. And Futurama always ended brilliantly. No, when it came up for a cancellation, they always seem to find a beautiful end. And it continues. It's fantastic if you like Futurama. Don't forget, it is out there. New episodes every week on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we talk about this fictional character a lot in, in our podcast. I'm going to name him Benji. Yeah. Benji at the house party, who when you, the topic comes up of what your favourite Quentin Tarantino movie is, and he says Jackie Brown, you're like, fuck off, Benji. Yeah. Or, you know, like last week when we talked Nolan, he's, you're talking about why the Dark Knight is the, the best. Prestige. And he says the prestige. And Benji like, doesn't know shit. Yeah, he's there playing hacky sack with a man bun and, you know, studied film. Oh, oh, you, oh, you like the one that everyone likes. Film bro, that's what you yeah. are. Yeah, that's Benji. Um, I, I think in the argument of Simpsons Family Guy, Benji comes in with Futurama, and I'm going to give it to Benji. I think often <laughs> Futurama, you think, yeah, that is the answer to that question. It is the answer. Is the answer. Future, I love Futurama. Futurama's fantastic. And like I say, that first episode was great. Yeah. And especially if you didn't know it was coming, it's like a surprise. There's a, there's a new series coming. What, 15 episodes coming, mate? Lovely. What a time to be alive. Exactly. So whilst I give a shackling to the uh, subscription services nowadays, you, you did one thing right. Well done. <laughs> we we did an episode a while back, which was quite uh, negative. I found that at the end of it, we were like, we couldn't, we talked so negatively about the films that accidentally we'd watched that, that week. We somehow rained Bone Tomahawk as the best film that week, which, yep. Is, yep. which, which is bleak. Um, so <laughs> I, 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 the program was I, right. <laughs> I wanted to come in early this week with a with a positive, a little ditty of a film. In Ooh. fact, most of the films I'm going to find the positive in. But I watched a movie this week, which I knew uh, about when it came out. Uh, you know, it was a October, September, October release last year, a film called Smile, that had a brilliant press campaign. I don't know if you heard, do you know this film? You heard anything about it? And you've I've seen, seen The Weird Smiles. Yeah, I remember seeing that. So they had a great press campaign, PR campaign, where um, they had a load of actors in backgrounds of live TV smiling that way. That's cool. So, you know, there's the, the, if you go on YouTube, you can see it, you know, of like live this morning television and there's just one person in the audience just smiling sadistically. And the smile is over-exaggerated, but dead eyes is the look. Ooh. And there was a, a baseball game where behind... Yeah, the, the home uh, play. There was yeah, just a smile. There's someone smiling for like three hours on this live game, and it was unsettling. And people were like, "What the hell was that?" And it's, it was a great PR campaign for this horror movie. So the film, it's an 18. It's a solid 18. Again, I was watching. That, I was like, I "Watched 18 for a while." It's now a 55. So settled in because I'm old now. So that that seems pushing it's it. Not Oppenheimer levels. <laughs> yeah, it's now it's by uh, Parker Finch stars, and I think it's um, Sosie Bacon. Ken Bacon's daughter. Is that how you pronounce it? S O S I E. Yeah, I believe so. Or is it a fancy name of oh, like Susie? Susie. <laughs> Susie. Is it, is it just a nice way of saying Susie Bacon. Um, yeah, daughter of Bacon God Light. Bacon. <laughs> Reduced fat. Kyle Gardner, who, if you don't know from, he was Smallville's Flash. That's going to be my tedious link to talk about the Flash later. <laughs> he was also in Red State. 
I was like, oh, it's he that was guy. In Red State. Yes, he was. Jesse T. Ushu's from The Boys. Um, can't remember his character. Uh, fast one. The fast one. <laughs> A Train. A Train. Also, quite like The Flash. We're going to talk about that later. And uh, Caitlin Stacey, who's from uh, an Australian actor, for, uh, who was in a movie called Tomorrow When the War Began, a film that I remember coming out. It was like Australia's big thing, like this like teen war, like futuristic. And no it one flopped. watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's quite a star and, and shines in this. Um, so, um, Susie Bacon plays Rose, who's this hardworking psychologist psychiatrist um you know married to the job falling asleep at the desk you know she's she's one of them just all mate yeah uh, who um on a day when she should be leaving gets called into an emergency uh support in this hospital in this unit because they bring in a, a new patient and um this patient is traumatized is absolutely um distressed uh you know and and, and just doesn't you know is at the end of a kind of tether with whatever's going on and you know it's like you're not listening to me you don't get it you, you know and really tearful and that's the thing about horror movies that you know the, the actors i think and horror is often an entry level for actors mm. that you have to really i think about this all the time could i could i give that much of me into a into anything you know where they're like tearing and snotting and it's like and it's a pretty full-on scene you know uh, at this point it's caitlin stacy's character who's like just at the end of of being able to cope as, as uh, Rose, the psychiatrist, is trying to help. Anyway, something very traumatic then happens, very graphic happens. And um, following this moment, Rose is then convinced she has inherited a curse or a demonic presence, an entity. And this is not new to horror in the genre. You know, The Ring, you know, all the grudge, all these kind of films that play on this idea that you've witnessed something, you've seen something, or it's passed to you. And then what we get is, um, you know, the typical horror tropes of us following a cast member who slowly, the time is ticking, you know, the events are escalating. The first vision, hallucination, they're getting more, they're getting vivid, they're getting quicker. We know, you know, no one's lasted so long, whatever it is, like Freddy Krueger movies where the police are useless, so the person has to do some detective work themselves. <sighs> yeah, They then find, you know, someone who survived it that they have to then go interview and find out how they did it. And then they go back and they ultimately realise that they've got to confront the demon itself but actually is it a demon or is it a manifestation of their own grief or guilt and actually it's some way of learning that at the end of the movie we're like they've bettered themselves has all that yeah that's that good. smile it's a <laughs> horror movie that was made on 17 million made 200 million but I will say it was actually quite good and even though it falls into a completely generic box of horror in, in that storyline you've got good performances you have jumps that are obvious jumps that are not obvious and then my favourite the ones that are obvious but are still jumpy. There, there's at least three bits where I'm like, I know what's going to happen, but it didn't. It nonetheless, if I could get the shit out of me, still jump. There's one moment in particular, and the only way I can describe it, the closest this this is, is the sixth sense. Okay. So in the sixth sense, when you're watching that, and Hey Joel Osmond's character, the, the boy in that, you know he, you're about to see something scary because he's yeah. he's clamping up, or his breath, you know, he starts seeing his breath. You know, as an audience member something's about to happen that's going to make you need to change your knickers and this film does that two or three times where you're like I know there's a scare just about to happen because someone's smiling or something or someone's that Freddy Krueger dream thing someone's acting just a little bit too off for it to be reality there's one scene that involves someone's head flopping and that's the only spoiler I'll say that was so obvious it was coming that even when it happened oh and then there's another <laughs> fucking out there's another <laughs> I honest to god shit myself there's a bit uh, 
hopefully you won't remember this if you're watching it, if you plan to watch it. There's a bit where this woman's trying to hear something and she keeps turning it up. And, and I'm like, you're watching it and by the fourth time, you're like, what's she trying to hear? And then the jump happens, you're like, you fucker, you led me in. You led me into that. And so that's what I mean about even the obvious scares were still scary. And at the end, it does go a bit balls to the wall. It does like have that big CG ending. There's one mm. there's one scene in it where you're like, that just doesn't look realistic at all, you know, in, in two things that happen. But for the most part, thoroughly enjoyable. And the idea, the sadistic smile that these characters have is, is truly frightening in the film because a lot of that is in daylight. And a lot of it you see and the person sees, but no one else sees. So it's quite sinister. Um, so actually, I thought, I thought smile... I thought if I'd gone to the cinema when this came out, I would have thoroughly enjoyed that and then gone out for a beer afterwards and talked about it. Yeah. But also at home on a Friday, it was actually a really good film to watch. To watch on your own. Yeah, yeah, because there's no way Emily would have watched that. <laughs> Not a chance. And um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought, good on you, smart. Like you did it. You did exactly what I wanted out of a... Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So sometimes when you, sometimes the thing that you order is what you want and what you need and it's what you get. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it didn't have the... I mean, it does have it. Ha- so there's two storylines in any horror movie, isn't it? There's the one at yeah. the forefront, and then there's one. There's the one that you're supposed to be following. Some movies that we've talked about very fondly and passionately, like the movie Invisible Man, you know, as being yes. one of those. Or basically, any any kind of you know Robert Edgar's movie, or or or, um, or uh, you know the films like Midsummer and um, Hereditary. You know, films like that. What we talk about is like modern horror films that that are, they've got layers to them that you can dissect. You can agree with, not agree with, or whatever it is. And this film didn't really have that. There wasn't a lot to peel back. There is a sub storyline. Ari Aston, that's the director I was trying to figure up just then. Um, it has a storyline behind it, a flashback, something that happened before that the end sequence, she has to overcome and it's therefore overcoming trauma from a childhood. And it has that to it. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I, I really thought, you know, there's a scene at the beginning where she wakes up at a desk and I did think they were going to play on this whole, like actually repeatability is if we rewatch it, is a lot of this actually happening in her head and and you know it doesn't the second watch it yeah. doesn't go through that it's yeah. like by the end of the film you're like oh no that, that's what it was oh it's definitely that, that, that. that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's there um, but yeah smile very very uh, enjoyable if, you, if your if your go to is Friday night horror flicks jump scares is it, it ticks the box. Well, you go smiles, and that's on Netflix. Yes, uh, no now now TV on now TV. So there's another recommendation. Let's stay positive. Netflix when they signed up. To do the witch, I was very excited. Big fan of the games, big fan of the books. Got the tattoo, mate. Big tattoo. Yeah. My biggest tattoo is of The Witcher. Love The Witcher. Love the franchise. Love the setting. Based on a Polish set of books, it's about a man, a witcher, who goes out and is deformed, as in he's been brought up. The witches are a group of men who are basically outside of society who make their money hunting gremlins, hunting monsters. Taking no part in the world. Awesome concept. Awesome concept. And the world that they live in is forever changing. The economic and political uh, moving of the dice. You've got an emperor of Nilfgaard waging war on Sintra, the northern realms, the southern realms. It's a great story. On, on the on the west, you've got the Skellig Islands. You've got this great world to play with. And in it, you've got Geralt of Rivia, played by everyone's favourite actor of the moment mm. and of all time, of, of quite a long time, Henry Cavill. The man can do no wrong. Well, Series 3 has come. Why is this a big deal? Well, Series 3 is the last one. Henry Cavill, like his role as Superman, is leaving the role of Geralt now. If you believe in rumours and everything, it's because the writers and the, the showrunners of The Witcher 
don't like the fact that Henry Cavill is a fan of the books and a fan of the games and was trying to keep it more canon, more realistic. And that's why he split and he will be replaced by the useless Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth. As a result of that, I will be stepping down. I will be not be watching Series 4. I'm going to boycott it. I'm going to boycott it. I am one of those people. I love my Witcher, Henry Cavill. And I, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite because sometimes... When you recast a role, sometimes you just recast a role. You know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. I don't dislike Liam Hemsworth, but I'm not... It's left the sour taste in my mouth, if I'm honest. I thought I thought when Cavill said he was going back to Superman... Yeah. That he, at the time, the news was that he was stepping down as Witcher because there, were, there was going to be um, conflicts in filming. Yeah. That, and so he joined... He went back to Superman. And then that got shit canned. And then that got shit canned, but they'd already signed... Liam Hemsworth had already signed up by this point. Well, that's why you always have to be careful, and it is rumoured that he, he never got on with the showrunners because apparently they... they they don't like the source material. And that upsets Henry Cavill. But what? Series 3. Let's talk about Series 3 on Netflix. They Stranger Things did. The start of the month, you had six, uh, you had uh, five episodes come out. And at the end of the month, you had three longer episodes to come out. How does the Series Witcher 3... Now, I know you've seen Series 1, Series 2. Series 1, to me, a bit of a slow burn. I did enjoy it. But they do a thing with time. So there's three distinct timelines that all come together. I liked it. Some people didn't. I liked they, they it. They thought it was unnecessary. So I, w- I went in as a virgin. Yes, and I exactly. knew nothing about the world, and I I don't think the I don't think it spoon fed me as an. I remember having to speak to you and be yeah, like, "Why can he do that?" Exactly, and that's cool. Like they never actually experienced that he's got limited magic, like a like a, a fire symbol, igni, or a shield. Gwen, um, the second series gets rid of basically the time paradoxes, things that they had inside jokes, greater. Reliance on secondary characters like Yaska, it worked. I thought the second series flowed a lot better. The mm. storyline. They went to get, like the Witcher boot camp. They do go to a Cairn <laughs> with the home of the witches. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you get Vesemir, the head of the witches, a great performance. You see, I thought it was really good. I thought the second series was phenomenal. I thought it really stepped up the gear. I really liked series one. I thought series two is it. it shows you what series one could have been. You're like, oh my God, here we go. Mm. Opening up on series three. And I've got to admit, series three. The best Witcher series so far. Great action. They've got a lot of one-cut action scenes. Henry Cavill is fucking skilled with a sword, and he gets to display this in great sweeping action scenes. The storylines are good. However, there are a lot of missed opportunities. The political intrigue of the time, uh, of the book, sorry, the setting, could have been akin to Game of Thrones. Netflix could have had a rival to Game of Thrones, but they never quite pull... They play it too safe sometimes. They rely too much on the magic expert, uh, the magic element, and ignore the political intrigue that we as an audience absolutely loved with Game of Thrones. So they they kind of played us not for chumps, but gave us the magic when we could have had the political. And that, that's fine. It still has an audience. But then they released part two. And I'm going to tell you now, part two, episode one was one of my favourite hours of television. I loved it. It doesn't make that much sense when you look at it storyline-wise, but it was fun, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it ended pitifully. It doesn't end that well. It's kind of a limp squid bow. We're not going to see Henry Cavill as Geralt of Witcher anymore. It really did upset me. Does it does it transition, or is it going to be the, the next series? No, you're, no, going to, you're just going to start be like, oh, his face is different. His face is different. Yeah, so it, the, it's the same character, which is really weird because spoilers, he's injured, and you could have just had his scar face, and someone could have gone, "I'm going to try some magic. It mm. might not work though." And yeah. then you know, like, Doctor Who, it Doctor Who, it was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. So a bit disappointed, but however, on the back of that, there's a crime being committed here, mate. You know me, I don't like crimes. <laughs> You say this every week. I say this every week. Very by the book. I'm charging Warner Brothers and Netflix with the theft of roles from Henry Cavill. How dare you? 
How dare you? He was our Superman. Very re- Brendan Roth had a go. We didn't take to him. Henry Cavill came on. He stole our hearts. We might not have liked Man of Steel. Have you seen the Cavill screen test for Superman, no. that Superman? With Roth got it? No. I didn't yeah, know he's on YouTube. Really. Oh, right. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was down in the final two then. Fucking hell. So it's always been in the pipeline, nothing for him to be it. I think Henry, I think we're going to miss Henry Cavill. Now, I'm not poo-pooing James Gunn's DC Universe yeah. yet. But Warner Brothers have done him dirty. Even in The Flash, which we'll talk to in a second, mm. they had an, an element to bring him in. He filmed roles for it, and all they did was CGI his face in some weird tunnel vision we'll thing. We'll get to it. I'm upsetting by that. Theft. But that's not the only thing that Hollywood's guilty of. I charge the Academy Awards of theft. How dare you take away what's rightfully Amy Adams' awards? That's true. You've always said that. But it's not just not just actors and people. I'm Disney Plus, mate, murdering. The murdering of your intellectual properties with your oversaturation that we no longer care. That's right. I'm calling Marvel and Star Wars, mate. I can already feel tension in the room. Yeah, that one hurts. The more the Star Wars element than the Marvel bit. Okay, so but 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 you had the best franchise in film. We were going in how many times did you see Endgame at the cinema? Uh three times. Three times. When was last time you went to the cinema to see something three times? Uh, it, but that's unfair because cinema prices are more. I have a kid, and yeah, no, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying but, what, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get you. But now, do you actually, honestly, hand mm. on your heart, do you care about the next Marvel film that comes out? I don't even know what it is. That that's says what I mean. Yeah. You, you there are ones that I am looking forward to. I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking forward to um, Loki season two. I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the, that film. I like the aesthetics to that series. Sorry, I'm looking forward to uh, Deadpool. God, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need to see this. Um, you, you see my point, though? They yeah, had yeah. all these intellectual properties and they have slowly badgered them to death. We as audiences are disappointed. You were talking at the start of the thing here about um, the Secret Wars. Another aspect of oversaturating your market. A People secret invasion, yeah. Into- secret invasion, I do apologize. Secret Wars is coming. Um, so it's something I don't, I'm not happy about. But Star Another Wars, film. right? So Star Wars is, we, and we could go yeah, down okay. this rabbit hole and we've probably got an episode coming up at some point. As I keep saying, weirdly, I... In the time of doing this podcast, somehow the prequel trilogy is all of a sudden looking really good. And and I know Attack of the Clones isn't, but I think... <laughs> I know. I, I, <laughs> Don't write in, we know. But it's weird that we kind of... I, it's f- things like the Obi-Wan series coming out that make you think, oh, I fucking loved actually like a lot of those scenes. Even, even when... Um, What's his name? He's talking about sand and not liking it. But you still get some great fight scenes. And, you know, him as Anakin, that's such a hard role to play. The demise of, of innocence to to becoming basically genocidal you maniac. Are, do you know what? I don't disagree with you, but my problem is it's working right now, but it also worked for Marvel. But right now, and I don't, I don't I, turn this into a Marvel thing, but Marvel's so poisonous. I, don't know I if, just want to stay away from it. And I, yeah. I worry... That Star Wars is going that route. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think all Star Wars is great, and I don't think it's all worked. I mean, that Boba Fett series yeah. wasn't great, and it, the best bit of it was The Mandalorian. Mandalorian is working. That that At the moment, Star Wars rests on The Mandalorian's shoulders. Yeah, it's a good shout. But even like, I would go back to bringing back like the sequel trilogy again. Let that die. Mate, I'm going to bring in a third franchise. Indiana Jones. Mm. Should have left it. Should have left three. it, but you couldn't. Yeah. Should have left no, it at the three. That. Yeah. Um, what about Vin Diesel for Grand Larceny? Because he fucking stole a show and he got paid multi-million pounds to say, I am fucking groomed. <laughs> Take yeah. yourself, mate. What about real life crime? What about tax evasion? The Blues Brothers was made to lose money so that they could post a loss and therefore pay less tax. 
but they don't chop themselves in the fucking foot. Why? Because <laughs> Blue Brothers lost one, made a lot of one, made a lot of money, and therefore causing them to play a graver, a higher trade bracket. But then we were just talking about Indiana Jones, famous grave robber, mate. That's it, grave robbing for Indiana Jones. The, he is he's the best looking grave robber in the world, isn't he? Fraud. Adam Sandler, who uses movies for free holidays with his best mates. Genius, but still fraud. Yeah, I mean, Adam Sandler is winning life, isn't he, really? Let's be honest. He's getting paid a lot of money to do them things. Like, I mean, I, I worry sometimes with, like, the reports I hand in. And, and, do you know what I mean? Or, like, or, or if I'm tired because I have a two-year-old that kept me up all night. And I'm thinking, no, Adam Sandler made, like, Hoobie Halloween and got paid for it. Can I, can I just say that one of, my, one of my oldest friends sent a text the other day and he just went, I don't know why you're always ragging on Adam Sandler. Most of his films are good. And I was like, I'd nearly got his filmography. I went, which one of which these one? is good? Just point, just point to anything <laughs> just, after Happy Gilmore. Just point to one of these that you wouldn't I mean, scratch your own eyes out. Yeah, Uncut Gems is good. And there are elements... Yeah, there's a gap about 30 years between those <laughs> Anger two Management's films. got some good scenes in it. Best written that is Woody Harrelson, actually, to be fair. <laughs> um, misadvertising. The Fast and Furious franchise. Because uh, genuinely... You watch that first one, then you skip a few, you watch the TED. That's mm. not what you baked. <laughs> on our TV, I'm going to start them again. No, you're not. I am, because we're going to do a podcast on it. Um, I'm going to tell you now, speeding. Yeah. The film Speed, you broke the law. <laughs> I'm just saying that. <laughs> if you'd stayed on the freeway, you wouldn't have broken the law, but you did. So it's your own fault. Mm. Or just put the just put the bus in neutral and just put a brick on the pedal. Uh, there you go, on the, so on the pedal. Driving without due care and attention. James Bond, but specifically Casino Royale, because that scene where you're driving without due care and attention you need to hit Eva Green who's for no reason in the middle of the road if you've been going to speed limit you'd have just stopped put her in the car film over it's your fault James Bond <laughs> Sony you've miscasted can't find an actual law for it because you owe us the proper cast franchise that is true that is, that true. is true that hurt Uncharted still hurts I know it does in a word, like my, my, my partner Emily my wife you know will often say like it's just a film and I do I do sit there and think you're right it's just a film it's, it's some do hurt <laughs> it's hypocritical when you said like like I've sat here going Henry Cavill started this list because I got very angry that Henry Cavill's had roles stolen from it and I don't want fucking Liam Hemsworth but at the same time like you know if they if they fucking recast I'm I really don't give a shit <laughs> so yeah. it's what hill you choose to die on and uh, you know I don't accept that but Guy Ritchie for the film Snatch and the reason for that is because because of the content of that film and how widely successful it was every single British gangster movie is now exactly the same and yeah, is that he created that blueprint he completed the blueprint so Guy Ritchie your gangster films I've put you on this list of criminals Will Smith for, kind of- for Assault and Chris Rock no it's for nepotism because you gave us Jaden Smith so fuck you Will Smith yeah destruction of property right so if someone illegally crossed our borders and started smashing up Daniel, uh, you know, Big Ben and the Angel of the North, we'd be rightly annoyed, wouldn't we? You're going at Roland Emmerich here? No, I'm having to go fucking Superman. <laughs> fucker comes into this country without a passport, this world, sorry, starts blowing up Gotham City and Metropolis, mm. and we thank him for this. Well, <laughs> wanton destruction of property. <laughs> but again, that's supposed to be his arc, isn't it? Superman is... is, is destroy that, shit. No, but in that first film, he doesn't... He doesn't know his powers, and he yeah. and Zod he goes up against Zod. Zod is his equivalent, but with training. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing, isn't it? Why he has to break the neck at the end of that movie is because he is out, he's he's outskilled, and that's the what he has to resort to to do it. And there there was an arc, I think, in Snyder's 
three potential Superman movies, which were going to tell that arc of, I mean, obviously it was going to go off with the Justice League stuff where he was going to destroy the planet, but there was supposed to be, yeah, I don't know, actually, I'm, stuff, I'm probably yeah. not even going to sell it actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit reckless. But there's another destruction of property and it, it I'm going to blame the Home Alone films here because he's destroyed Joe Pesci's career, who then became typecast as an idiot, when in reality, he's one of the generation's best actors of all time. Yeah, it's hot water at the when moment. When you though. see Joe... Why? Why was he done? So... Oh, um, no. Not Joe Pesci. No, Sinead O'Connor oh. uh, has passed away recently. Oh, she has, hasn't she? And then he was the SNL host the week after she oh, saw no. the picture of the Pope, and he was like, if that was a Marshall, I would have given her a slap. And it's just resurfaced footage of him being... Joe Pesci, tough guy in the 90s. And it's, I mean, it's wrong at the time and it's certainly yeah. fucking wrong now, but. Oh, I didn't know that. I apologize. I plead ignorance. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's your crime. <laughs> um, you're going to disagree with this one. John McClane commits many breaks of the law, but the biggest one comes in Dar 2 when he trespasses on a property where he doesn't belong, thus kickstarting the events of Dar 2. Therefore, he's wrong. He, mate, he just walks into the tower where he has no authorization to be. He has no jurisdiction. He shoots a man in baggage claim. He has no jurisdiction in the first movie, but you know what? It's John McClane, James. But he was allowed to be on the premises. <laughs> <laughs> he was invited. You cannot say that about the second film where he was not. The biggest crime is the fifth one. Which bit? The fifth one. <laughs> um, I could say we <laughs> right. How do you get paid? Let's be honest, since the 80s, everyone's been paid into a bank account directly. Very rarely do we get cash in hand. Mm. That means for Robin Williams to become Mrs. Doubtfire and to truly get references and everything, he must have stolen the identity of the real Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> it's the only way it works to pass background checks, which I assume Sally Field did. <laughs> she seems very efficient. So She does seem very efficient. And I believe, I haven't rewatched it for this list, mm. but I'm sure she says your references check out, which means... Fuck stolen someone's identity. <laughs> he's a single dad, but he's got secrets. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Doubtfire is a brilliant film, and I would love to do an episode on top three Robin Williams films. We've done Robin Williams this before. Williams, yeah. I would ago, like. I would like it. to pick three. I would like to pick three Robin Williams films and do a deep dive. Miss Doubtfire would be one because yes, there's the funny scenes. There's the trying out the different characters. Um, yes, there's the you know the funny scenes of like putting his face in the pie and pretending and all that kind of stuff. But there's also some gold in there that I think the older you get, he's fucking just you know he is a bloke who wants to see his kids mm. that and and the lengths that he will go to as a dad to see his children, which is which is a fucking noble like I mean the way he does it is odd, but, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? And, I mean he could have just tied up his own fucking house, <laughs> yeah, and spent time with his kids when they were there. But then also. Like, he has to live with the new guy in impossible situation to put yourself in, uh, you know, of someone. Can and I, let alone that person being a fucking James Bond. <laughs> but there is a scene where they're at the bar, at, that, at the restaurant, uh, at, at the pool, and he's like, motherfucker. <laughs> and, and he just picks that lime up and he throws it and he clocks Pierce Brosnan on the back of the head and he turns around and he's like, oh, dear, <laughs> I saw him. He ran that. It was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> and there's that bit as well, which is like, Sally Fields is like, 
Was there, sorry to ask, but was there a Mr. Doubtfire? You don't think he, the, the drink killed him. He goes, oh, he's an alcoholic. No, he was hit by a Heineken truck. <laughs> like, there's loads of good comedy in that film. Can I just say as well that he's really lucky that his, that his kids without the parental gaze are still quite good because like, he, <laughs> like, like the kid could have like just beaten him. Then <laughs> also, like, Shut up, Mr. Doubtfire. Spank him. Then the, <laughs> never forget the reveal. It's because, it's because the kid's walking and he's having a piss stood up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big reveal. <laughs> like, he's genius. I don't think any of my list is going to top this now. Oh, here we go. But surprisingly, in the movie Top Gun, Maverick breaks two rules of engagement by, enge- by engaging and defeating below the hard deck and by buzzing the tower in celebration. Oh, which yeah. brings me back to that. Why the fuck did you keep him in your school? He broke two laws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maverick. Why have anyone called Maverick in your squad? I know this winds you up. Vandalism. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> Fucking leaving his Clean web. your webs. <laughs> Clean your webs. Not only that, though, but even if you go into the Spider-Verse, graffiti, often as well, doesn't just leave his webs, but but my favourite thing is when he leaves uh, a criminal in a web, mm. and then you as a police officer are just, why the fuck am I supposed to get him down? I know it was a deleted scene, but there was in the, in the original when he put the helicopter between the two towers, and yeah. they had to delete the scene. Like, <laughs> if you, if you're, the, you're the first responder... Fuck am I getting that helicopter down? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, just some bloke with the biggest stick. <laughs> just trying to walk it down. Um, kidnapping. Actresses over 30, Hollywood. Ashley Judd, where are you? <laughs> where are you? Yeah. Justice for Ashley Judd. Unless she's done something horrible, <laughs> then fuck it. Kidnapping. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. My heart. Kidnapping my soul. I've got another one as well. And this is heartbreaking. Have you seen Jennifer Lawrence's new film? Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's look, not going down well, is it? When you look at it, and it's Oscar-winning Jennifer Lawrence, now does a film where she's got a fucking nerd, and you're like, is it? Is it the 70s? Is, as, as time travel worked, it's do not treat your actresses like this, Hollywood. Mm. And Matthew Broderick's the dad who, who employs her. It's, it's, got, it's, it's the list of reasons I'm not watching that film. <laughs> of the various things that you could put Michael Bay on trial for, I've decided to put it on for nonsense. Nonsense. That's the number one, isn't it? <laughs> Don't matter never, the age of the Michael never Bay Never forget film. that scene where 20, I know it's not 20 minutes, but 20 minutes is devoted to find out why the 15-year-old dating the 20-year-old's not weird. Yeah. It fucking is. <laughs> it's just completely unnecessary and nonsense. It's so nonsense. Never forget. Um, Torture, any UV ball film. Any UV mm. ball film. Um, attempted murder, the directors of the Mario movie on Bob Hoskins. <laughs> because if you don't know the story of that film, they tried to kill Bob Hoskins multiple times. Hogwarts is a great place to go if you like child endangerment. <laughs> what's, what's a punishment for a first year who's new to the world? Who's new to the world of magic? Go into the forbidden forest and hunt an animal that's killing unicorns. Excuse me, have you heard of light? <laughs> I know my homework seems like really a dollar now. Defacing a national monument, the Wicker Man remake, <laughs> because there was a perfect film, a British film, <laughs> and Nicolas Cage splooged all over it, defacing a national I monument. Thought, I thought you were going to say not for the first time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Nicolas Cage was the monument. <laughs> and that, I mean, that, that, that film was the alarm bell for his career, wasn't it? It was. When that film came but out. But somehow it did rebound. It, it kind of came <laughs> out bees. as well. The bees. And, and he's like, no, don't worry, I've got Ghost Rider to fall back on. <laughs> I'd like to point out that that's not even my favourite bit. My favourite is when he punches the bear. He just gets him dressed as a bear. bear if he punches, <laughs> that's fucking brilliant, that scene. There you go. Those are just some of the crimes that Hollywood has committed. 
just thought I'd have a bit of fun with that whilst I was getting in my groove. So when you said, when you said, oh, I want to do crimes in Hollywood. Yeah. I, I, I. Do the actual crimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I did like, so I'm not going to go through them all, but I went through like Red Notice being Netflix's most, most profitable film. Yeah. Oh, That's that, a crime. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Al, <laughs> Al Pacino being in Jack and Jill. Yeah. Th- yeah. Those are the sort of things that I wanted, but at the same time, I, I was just having too much fun. Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. Let, let's never let that go. <laughs> never like, forget. Never forget someone saw the bodyguard and thought, Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the bit at the beginning, are they in like Devon and they walk to Nottingham? <laughs> we just have a little walk. Yeah. Well, um, what are you going to do, mate? The trains run strike. That's true. And then The Shining, we talk about this one all the time. The Shining, the Overlook Hotel being closed during ski season. <laughs> Not a chance now. Um, but I got sidetracked and we... We've we've done this a load of times where you change like a letter in a film and try and give the film a completely new <laughs> yeah. meaning. And I thought, well, actually, can you put a word on the end of a film and make it as boring as possible? Yeah. So, for example, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid's Jumper. <laughs> nice. Do you know what I mean? All <laughs> of a sudden, like that, it's gone yeah. from, oh, I love that film, to, oh, that sounds incredibly mundane. The Shining Light. There you go. Rush Hour. Traffic. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, mate? I live that. <laughs> I, I like my best friend's weddings photos. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, oh no, don't get the album out. James Bond reports. <laughs> Men in black, cabs. <laughs> I'd watch this shit out. <laughs> Sounds That's like a documentary still on Still better than international. <laughs> uh, crazy heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> mate, why, just, are so, just, why are they so fucking relatable? It's just two hours of... <laughs> what's his name? Jeff... Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges be like, oh, should have eaten that steak. Here's a fucking Gavaskar. <laughs> Full metal jacket potato. Oh! I was like, that'll probably give you crazy heart burn, that one. Uh, eight mile queue. As well as, uh, or tailback. Quite proud of this next one. Fantastic four skin. It's not often complimented on a, on a body, is it? <laughs> Did you- there will be blood oranges. It's like yes! it's, it's, it's like a, yes! it's like a promise, but a threat at the buffet. There will be blood oranges, <laughs> mate. Raging bullfrog. It's an Australian outback <gasps> movie. I'm actually disappointed. I didn't think of that one. Lion, the <laughs> the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe maker. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've got I'm a screwdriver. <laughs> oh, Leon, the professional plumber. It's a completely different movie, that. Uh, I like this one as well. Mystic River Dance. Ooh, it's Michael Flatley. But it's mystic. But it's, it, you, you've got questions. You can only see his legs. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what face he's pulling. My Cousin Vinny Jones. Mate, oh, the film is exactly the same, but it's just Vinny Jones. Can you remember when Monty Python did that movie, uh, The Meaning of Life? Insurance. Yeah. The Meaning of Life Insurance. Mate. That's a boring movie. House of Wax Candles. I still think that would be better than the remake. (laughs) Also, just putting like, just not even like, it doesn't even have to be a word. It could just be like a, at the end. How to lose a guy in 10 days-ish. All of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. Um, Can you remember that really sensitive, loving movie, If Beale Street Could Talk? David Chazelle movie. Was it? If Bill Street could talk shit. Yeah, if, if Bill Street could talk Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> Completely changed that movie. Barry Jenkins, not David Chazelle. Barry um, Jenkins movie. Snatch, kittens. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the Great Wall paper. Go around your nans. I'd still watch that. There's an interview going around, Matt Damon at the time, talking about like the 
being like, oh, as an actor, you have to suck it up sometimes. And like, he went into depression because he signed up to a job once and, um, you know, when he got there, it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. It's like, the wall. yeah, just say it. We know what form you're talking about. Two, you got paid for it. And he's like, oh, you know, when you inconvenience your family and you go right halfway around the world, you got paid like millions for that film. Yeah, you get paid a shit ton of money. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. The Nightmare Before Christmas shopping. Oh, relatable. This is a good one. Can you remember that movie, Rear Window? Well, it's been made a few times. So yeah, disturbing. Yeah. It's been done. But the Rear Window Cleaner. He only Ooh. does the backs of the houses. Oh, why? I actually would watch this one. Stop or my mum will shoot up. <laughs> it's made just, a film just watching his mum get fucking eyes <laughs> yeah. fucked. Mum just oh, doing crack. Don't do crack. Oh, I love crack. Got a bit political with these next two. Oh, here we go. Uh, defending Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> I've never seen you so happy. <laughs> that was the, like your wedding. The, the Chatham Tatum movie. <laughs> Dear John Major. <laughs> That's old school British politics. Um, and this one was so clever. I actually ended with this one because I thought I put the pen down after this. Yeah. The Dark Knight Returns videotapes, oh! which is a play on American Psycho and The Dark Knight, both of which were Christian Bell movies. I did start a list of actually, can you change a film by putting a title at the beginning of a film? Mm. And after I wrote the words, nearly being John Markovich, I said, stop, just stop. <laughs> you've you've <laughs> done too much. <laughs> Imagine that's the premise of the film. Well, you kind of nearly John Markovich. <laughs> can I, you, can, you're not him. Can, can I be John Markovich? Eh, maybe. <laughs> you can have his foot. A oh, um, then- couple, couple of things just to round up for the episode because we're 40... We're some minutes in. 48 minutes in, James. Oh, is really? Uh, quickly, The Fall. Uh, sorry, sorry, just Fall, not The Fall. Oh, yeah. Fall, 2022 movie. There's on Netflix. Um, it's an hour 47. It's directed by Scott Mann, who did Final Score with Batista and uh, Pierce Brosnan. Who thought we'd talk about Pierce Brosnan so much in this episode? Who the fuck, man? Who the fuck thought you talking? You bring up the score. A film I'd like to find out. I really wanted to do an episode on Yeah, that's I, why I bring it up. And everyone was like, no. <laughs> the film stars uh, Grace Caroline Curry, uh, who was in Shazam and one of the Annabelle creation movies, I think. And Virginia Gardner, who was in Halloween, the 2018 one. So, well done. <laughs> I'd like to point out The Fall was actually sleepy as well, wasn't it? The Fall, the TV show. Oh, yeah. fuck her, no. Fall, this Fall came out a bit of nowhere. Like I, yeah. the, the trailer for it was everywhere. So, I've seen the ending of this film, but I haven't seen the beginning. So, it's two best friends that face danger when they climb a 2,000 foot uh, radio tower in a desert so it's in the arsehole of nowhere things go wrong obviously when they go to the top that's the premise of the movie following a recent tragedy uh, Becky who's played by Grace Caroline Curry uh, is grieving she's isolated She's. I think the film highlights that she's like 41 weeks kind of since this tragedy she's you know she lost all contact with the outside world grieving not being able to process or move on her best friend comes to town um, she's still climbing they, sorry they both come from a climbing background um, you know, free climbing, rock climbing, that kind of stuff. She comes to town. She's now a bit of an influencer. YouTube, she's got a channel. Lots of people like watching her do these death-defying climbs, you know, what monuments or whatever. She comes to town and she says, get back on the horse. <clears throat> do this as a rite of passage to clear your head and bring you back. You know, we need to do something that just shocks your body, you know, gets you out of this rut that you're in. We're going to climb this derelict, rusty, nuts and bolts tower in the arsehole of nowhere that's 2,000 foot high. So, 
The whole point of the movie is it's supposed to be anxiety-driven. Uh, it's supposed to create that uh, feeling of vertigo as you watch them climb the terror mountain and then something's going to happen when they get to the top. And then it's going to ask, how do they get down? That's the whole premise of the film. It's and it's one of those films where typically they've got mobile phones, but when they're up there with no blockage whatsoever, they can't get any No, signal. that's not how mobile phones work, mate, because everyone knows that if you're taller than seven foot, they don't work. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Sorry for sneezing, by the way. Just <laughs> sneezing. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Allergic to this review. Um, the film was well received by audiences uh, at the time and it, it's now created almost like a cult like following with people watching it it's not like it what's that film that I watched and I don't get it they go d- snorkeling and when they come up the boat's not there is it deep deep water like, yeah my audiences one no, shot it's, the it's fuck the all, that yeah, film yeah they all jumped off didn't they and the, the, one of them was supposed to lower the ladder so now no, they can't get back di- on there's a different film I've seen that film as well but there's another one which I think the one you're talking about is a sequel in the first one it's just two people and mm. there's sharks but I remember everyone going on about this film, and I was like, "Oh, the one with um, the one with Blake Lively in it." Yeah, maybe. Swim. Oh, I can't, I can't remember. remember. Yeah, but I remember like audience. Yeah, that one, I like that one where she's stuck on the rock and she's bleeding, and then she's no. circled by shark. I can't remember. Oh, that's the Blake Lively one. Uh, either way, the I think audiences love the simplicity of this. Like, you don't have to worry mm. about a curse. Shit got real. Yeah, deal yeah. with it. Yeah, and it, you know, and the film is filmed well. You know, it's it's a, a lot of it is practical effects. The two actors, you know, committed, learnt the stunts, climbed. You know, a lot of that is authentic. They created a, uh, they built the top of the tower because the tower exists in real life. They built the top of the tower on a mat on this like kind of mountain top, so they could climb a hundred foot of it. And from the right angle, they had the backdrop of the mountain. Yeah. So they could do a lot of the uh, the vertigo-inducing kind of effects that's, that pays off on big screens um, just by the innovative kind of style of filmmaking. So there are there is some CGI. There is some green screen stuff to it, naturally, as shit starts to hit the fan. But a lot of those high-up shit scenes, they, they did high up, you know, not on the tower, but on this clifftop. So uh, uh, Lionsgate saw the first cut of it, was like, that's great, want to do it. Uh, want to release it short cinema run they wanted to drop the rate into a 12 12 a instead of 15 so they used some cutting edge ai technology that everyone's a fan of i think that's gone down really well the reason they used it though was to change the mouse to get rid of over 50 swear words so they were actually able to reduce the uh so it meant that they didn't have to go refilm or anything like that so i suppose that conversation of ai i suppose in this instance it saved them money money, and time and it enabled a cinema release um, which I imagine the director like, and the actors wanted. Like all things, though, it's how you use it. Mm. So this has saved money, but when it starts writing dialogue, you're taking someone out of a job, you're taking that human aspect, that story, and that's why people are striking in Hollywood right now, yeah. which we support. It's, it's. It, I mean, it's a perfectly fine film that, like I say, uh, again, on a Friday night, you know, if you're watching it with friends, it's, it is one of those films that puts you in a situation where you think, what are they going to do? You know, it's the impossible question. You're stuck so high up. No one knows you're there. You've got no signal. You can't get down. What do you do? How are you going to get out of it? And that's, that's the cell. There is a sub storyline as you know, there's obviously the, 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 the reason why someone's grieving. There's a pretty good twist. I say good. There's a twist towards the end of the movie that you're like, oh, okay, didn't think there was going to be a twist. And there was, and for the better, actually, that's just added a new element to this. Um, and yeah, it was quite enjoyable for the for his runtime. Jeffrey D. Morgan's in it randomly. He does kind of two or three scenes. Can't go wrong with a bit of Jeffrey D. Morgan. Yeah, I think towards the end of the film, it does it does have an element of safety at the end. They're like, you know, something happens, and then the next scene, she's on the ground, and you're like, oh, okay, then. You know, yeah. I, the real struggle would have been, you know, when people came to help. How the fuck did they get you down? You know, kind of. Do you know what I mean? It, it Magic, like, mate. <laughs> but I suppose that's encompassing to its low budget indie feel to it. You know. It, 
it's really expensive to hire a helicopter to try and show a rescue mission. By the by, it's a good film. It, it was all yeah. right. It was enjoyable. It's not going to win any Oscars, but I do think it's the kind of film where people will go, have you seen that? Have you seen that film where they're up that tower? Yes. And people go, yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah, that made me feel a bit, that was a bit stomach churning. Do you know what I like about it as well? It is a risk, but at the same time, it's not a financial risk. Yeah. You, you know, it is a risk to make a film like that, but at the same time, it's, it's not really that, it doesn't drain that many resources. And I like that because that's what streaming needs to be yeah. more like. Although and this was a this went to the cinema though, didn't it? So it, that, did, it did have that, a small that, release, that, but that proved yeah. me wrong. So. Only a limited run, I think, in some American cinemas. And, and it does that thing at the beginning of the movie, you know, where they're climbing up, and like you're like any one of these hundred things could be why they get stuck. You know, like yeah. it, they step up, you know, and a bolt falls, and then they go up a few more, and there's like a bit of rust, and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, it's about to happen. You're just thinking, when is it going to happen? And then you get past the curse. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a dead body hanging there with a sign <laughs> saying, "Don't go on." Oh, I'm going to go on. <laughs> Um, yeah, four. It was, it was, or it was, it was enjoyable for what it was. Mm. I think if I was in the cinema, I probably would have felt a bit queasy because it is, it's hard. Apparently, two thousand feet is quite high up. Yeah, I'll tell you what, higher than the Empire State Building. <gasps> Why the fuck did they climb it? To to break this, to break this, you know, go grief. to TGFI Fridays. <laughs> break that monotonism. Speaking of monotonism, you've seen the Flash. Yeah, can, can I, I just there? say that you went to the cinema of all the choices. You went to go see the Flash. Mm-hmm. Is it because you you wanted to see you wanted to see Michael Keaton? Didn't I, you? I wanted to see Michael Keaton. I'm such a fan of the '89 Batman, and I also thought played the, the Flash is getting a, a TV release. It actually came out to buy on TV the day I went to watch it, <laughs> so I could have stayed at home and paid the exact same money and watched it. In fact, actually, it would have been cheaper to watch it at home because I wouldn't have parking, spent the car parking. Yeah, yeah. so. I went to go see it for that. And I also thought Oppenheimer will be there for a while. Barbie will be there for a while. Spider-Man will be there for a while. You know, I thought that's the first one that's going to get pulled. Oh, yes. I'm going to go watch it. <clears throat> Definitely so, agree with you've that already covered it. So if you haven't watched The Flash and you intend to, thank you for downloading this episode. We are going to just spoil it for the next few minutes if you're sticking around. So thank you. We'll see you next week for our next episode. Subscribe. New episode each and every week. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you're still here, you can talk about The Flash. So Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, Michael Shannon. Yeah, it's the Yeah, um, you already talked about it. The Flash, Barry Allen, the storyline of him going back in time, running so fast that he can manipulate the time to change and alter his origins of, the, you know, his his mum being killed, which then sends him on this trajectory that actually he could do the one thing that all other superheroes that have dead parents can't do. And there's yeah. a there's a scene in it where he goes to Batman and he's like, you. If you could, you would. So I'm going to because I can. Yeah. And they have that moment. And I was you could probably guess from where I'm going with this, I didn't enjoy this movie. So let's talk about some positives. Ben Affleck's good at Bruce Wayne. They, they, that scene where they're talking, he's like, don't do it, don't fuck about. The response is, you are Batman because your parents died. I can do something. That And I thought, that makes sense, them two being in this film together. Also, it does as well. <clears throat> it works for his characters because Bruce Wayne by this stage is is marinated in mm. being Batman. Now, had you asked him 20 years ago, he'd been on Barry's side, but Barry's impulsive. The the idea as well that like his superpowers is speed, makes him make makes him make rash decisions, yeah. which is something that's actually explored throughout the rest of the film. That he was told not to, but because he wanted it. He can. Mm. He did it. He's like the whole Jurassic Park syndrome, isn't it? It's like, just because you could. You should have asked, should you? you? Should yeah. you? Yeah. So we botched that, that line. <laughs> yeah, you're too busy thinking if you if you could. No one asked if you should. 
you seen like that, Jeff Goldblum, infamous uh, line. No, I can't remember. Cheers, Jeff. There's a scene in it as well where Ezra Miller, at the end of the movie, because we are spoiling it, has to say goodbye to his mum. Yeah. And I was so annoyed that there's a scene in this film that made me feel like, like it, because it was very well acted. It was beautifully filmed. It was a character that even if Ezra Miller isn't your flash, it's synonymous with that character. Yeah. And that scene, I thought, how dare you have so much heart at this point of this film? How dare you make me feel for the yeah, flash? <laughs> because that scene was so beautiful. So there are some positives. So there's that, there's, you know, there's that, uh, there's, there's a Wonder Woman scene where she may as well wink at the camera and say, thank I'm, you, goodbye. Because yeah. there's no need for her to be in it. No. Nope. But she gets to say goodbye. There's a, there's a throwaway scene where Batman has the lasso of truth on him and he's not even on camera and you can hear him say, whilst he's got the lasso of truth on him, he's going, I don't know why I put all this money into fighting crime when I could solve homelessness. <laughs> and it, and, it, and it, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's brilliant. They're all having a laugh. They're all having a victory lap or, they're doing that thing where maybe in years to come, audiences will love these characters. I mean, who knows? The next lot could butcher it even more. Do you know what? That is the only positive. <laughs> I, I I like Affleck. And remember, Kevin Conroy, who passed away recently, said out of all the people that have played Batman, Ben Affleck was the best to get Batman and Bruce Wayne balanced. Even Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Malcolm, he, out of all of them, the Batman himself was like on screen Affleck's the one so I, I'll take his word for it you know he knows the character more than anyone bear in mind Conroy is the best <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> take, take, take Conroy's word for it and right so there's a couple of benefits to this movie there's a couple of good things oh my god is there enough to rip this film apart that I feel oh, yeah. bad for doing it the it's, CGI it's easy in it it's the like CGI, fiction about <laughs> the, 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 the opening scene of babies falling out of the building now I feel that I could step on some toes of comic book like lovers who have born and bred and breathed this shit and are like no that is a it, you know and I could be saying oh I can't believe they put that in a film and it'd be something that's so important in the comic books and that's why it's in the film but the babies out of the, out of the uh, hospital scene is so rubbish to set the film up I was like yeah. seriously and I get it that they had to CGI a baby in a microwave because they couldn't do that in real life. But I was like watching it like, <laughs> how have you never thought you'd say? <laughs> but I'm like, how have we got to this? Do you know what I mean? Like this is this is we know that this is the the chapter end of these guys playing these characters. Yes, is the end. And this is how we're starting this film. Anyway, <laughs> then it cuts to Batman shit. I'm like, that stuff looks awesome. Yeah. Let's go back to Batman chasing after. Um, Falcone's son who's you know like, let's go let's see that because Affleck's fucking owning it in that mm. Batmobile and doing all that shit Yeah. so already I'm like the guy whose film it is the person who's filming this is yeah. I'm less interested in so that that was the first warning then you get all the like I don't know the the the, the, the idea the, so, the concept the setup a bit of comedy I liked I liked the bit where Ezra Miller you know, kind of realises actually no I can do this I'm going to do it there's all these scenes in his apartment and there's an element of comedy where he has to tidy his room up really quickly mm. and then uh, Iris Ooh. comes in he's like oh it's tidier and then everything falls out the cupboard yeah funny I liked it that I, bit. I don't understand why she's in it like it's like mm. Iris West is, is wasted in his film she's got given nothing yeah she plays no part in the storyline now you don't need a lot of interest in this film the real alarm past. bells are this next bit when he runs fast enough to break really? into the sound sphere, time sphere. And I know there's going to be comic book heroes that know bullshit. this and, yeah. and, and I'm butchering it. But <clears throat> the CGI of this bit is really alarming. Yep. 
really alarming. Like the Superman bit that you've already alluded to with Henry Cavill. Fucking surely you should just get Henry Cavill just to get do Henry that. Cavill in there, yeah. um, or get later. You you've already got Michael Shannon on the, the set. Yeah, fucking have him record bits. <laughs> Why have you CGI? What I can only assume is an image. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> and even even aesthetically, and I don't know if it's just trying to stay true to the comic book, but even when they're in the the Sophia the sphere, if you like, I'm like that just looks terrible. Where you've got all these like versions of something happening mm. to give this idea that like say timelines are happening at the same time and he's about to fuck that up and cause them to splinter and, and splice into each other. but even when he's there at the point I'm like oh that looks really bad anyway so he fucks about and he goes into another timeline where there's another Ezra Miller there's another Barry Allen who hasn't got powers I tell you the one thing that makes uh, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen look great is the next version of Barry Allen who's <laughs> who you like by the end of the film, I actually quite liked him because he's so, you know. <laughs> I, you, I agree. Yeah. That, I was like, oh, this is alarming. But the Thought. real kick in the nuts is the Batman scene. The whole, all everything Michael Keaton. Kick in the nuts? Yeah. Oh. Because, right, so, new Barry Allen is like, they, they're like, oh, you haven't got a Wonder Woman, you haven't got this, you haven't got this. And they, they mention but Batman. they do have a Batman. And they're like, yeah, we have a Batman. And he's like, well, I know who it is then. And so they go yes. to, to Wayne Manor. You get the original score, the Danny Elfman score kicking in. Yes, you get the reveal. It's the original Batcave. Well, he looks a lot like the original Batcave. He's even got the original Batmobile. So why is Batman, why is Bruce Wayne turned crazy? Why is he living in isolation? And and I know, you know, people will be like, well, if you read the comic books, it's like, you know, years of fighting crime. It's just, okay, so... So he's now what? A reclusive millionaire who, who's forgotten how to get his hair cut, walking around in flip-flops, fighting people in his kitchen like Did he's you, just come out of the board game Jumanji. The only problem I've got with what you just said, he's a billionaire, not a millionaire. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> what I love about this well, is... we don't well, know about this point. What I love about this is he's still... So when you watch Batman uh, 1989, it's very ambiguous about when it's set. Yeah. So when you see that, you see he's got bells in every room so you can let Alfred what room he's in. For some reason in this film, that's quite clearly set in the 2000s. Batman's still got the bells. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like Batman's not modernised at all. He was like, no, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying in the 50s. I get, I get that he might become a recluse and he might shy away from people like the broken Batman that we saw Christian Bale do in the third movie of Nolan's trilogy. But he still seems quite agile and and and, and yeah. able to to hold out a fight. And got a pretty good grasp of quantum mechanics. But he's like <laughs> making the most haphazard spaghetti I've ever seen. In, in I that like scene. that. Scene. I, I like how he's I, using it to explain time. I thought it was I, brilliant. I get that. But so right. So and this is the thing. I don't know if that is the eighty nine Batman that we're supposed to believe because the film tells us that you can have multiple strands of time with certain people that look the same, like. Barry Allen, yeah. but others don't. So the only thing know, I would you, say is he's got the bag of laughs. So I think you are supposed to think it's nine eighty nine. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It might not be. But yeah, the, that. that could also be a that Batman did fight a Joker and has that bag of laughs. You are correct. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the Batman that went on to fight the paint. We don't know. We just know that it's got Mark Keaton's face. Yes, agreed. Because this whole plays because Zod, for example. So why does Zod look the same in this timeline? Because of the but Superman we, we is not, super. Girl, we're not paying attention to the spaghetti scene. <laughs> so that's what I mean. <laughs> so, the spaghetti scene. <laughs> so then Batman. So I, I straight away I'm like, why is he like that? Why is he? Why? Why is he? Why is he like living this life where there's like food on the kitchen floor? And 
he's walking around in flip flops and stuff. Um, it you don't of, give a shit, mate. But that's so lazy writing. <laughs> oh, I agree. I don't. Do you think I'm defending this? No, film? I know, I know. I'm, 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 right. <laughs> One day, the Batcave stuff is fun, and I like. He, he opens up the original terminal, and there's the original like Batmobile, and and all that stuff is awesome. Like that stuff, uh, that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Rescuing uh, Supergirl, Superwoman out of the out of the cell. Superwoman did a that, pretty good job as well. That is awesome. Yeah. That that whole sequence is awesome. You get to see Batman kicking ass and taking names and being able to turn his head. Like I'm watching all that stuff. Like this is cool. The new Flash makes a Flash suit out of an old Batman suit. I'm yeah. like, that's cool. Quite like that. Well done. That's mm. that's awesome. So there are elements that keep fighting me back and pulling me off the ropes. But then it also, but. You know, like the Supergirl scene where the moment she gets in daylight, she turns, she gets the powers back. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I like this. I thought she but did the, a very good job as well. I thought yeah, she was oh, pretty yeah. good. The ultimate kick in the nuts is the whole battle scene when Zod's yes. there. So again, massive you, spoilers that we're spoiling all the way here. But at, by this point, you, Barry has to come to the realisation that it doesn't matter what he does. Original Bruce Wayne was right that you can't change the past or you, you could try it a hundred times, but some things are meant to be the way that they are meant to be. And, and basically the, the, there's not two versions of Barry Allen, which mm. I, which I liked and did see coming. The third version of Barry Allen is actually the, the monster he saw that kind of pushed him out of the timeline at one point. And he's responsible for creating himself. I like that mm. because, and I like the realization that basically the, the new Barry Allen gets metal stuck in him and he can now hurt Kryptonians. Yeah. So he basically, arms himself up throughout these constant visits. So every time they go back in time to the battle, something goes wrong, they go back in time. And that happens continuously. And then every time that happens, new Barry Allen adds something to him until he becomes basically this monster that you can't even see. And he's responsible for pushing the original Barry Allen out of the time frame. As storyline goes, I liked that. However, he is told very poorly. That stuff I can deal with, and I saw, and I like the reveal because I saw it about two seconds before it happened. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I get it now. That thing earlier is is him, but it's a different version." Yeah, so I like the fight sequences. Though the two things that did my head in about this bit is the shit. You see Batman die twice, right? Yeah, you do. And now then- the first time he dies, he's like, "Oh, I can't eject, so I'm just going to drive my plane." Into the super thing, yeah, and and then and and but, it's not enough that he does that. Barry's like, "Oh, there's a force field, Bruce. Oh, dead." And I'm like, "Seriously?" No, it's the second time he tells him. He no, goes, no, no. He goes, "There's a force field," and he goes, "All right, then I won't do that." No, but <laughs> but so but the first time he does it, I remember sitting there thinking, "What?" So '89 Batman, yeah, who, who was a legend, yeah, and my Batman, and I know, I know it's so, I know that sounds so entitled. And people were like, well, you got to give it up. It's not yours anymore. But it isn't because this whole film plays on nostalgia. Yeah. That's what's got people in it. That Batman was just like, oh, fuck it. I'll just drive into it then. Yes. And I'm like, no. Like, I saw you use, I saw you come out of the bottom of your plane earlier. And I'm I, pretty certain you could I break saw, the perspex and glide down. I'm pretty I certain s- there's a, a failsafe to get out of this cockpit. I saw you collect the balloons in your hawks yeah. instead of shooting them. I saw you disengage the penguins <laughs> yeah. somehow. I mean, I also saw I also saw the Joker shoot you down with one bullet, but... He's fucking lucky the Kryptonians don't have one bullet. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just watched it and it's like, I mean, if he went out blazing, like he went through the alien spaceship and jumped he destroyed... Out. He jumped out through a grenade. No, 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 he died. <laughs> Middle-fingered no, everyone before no, he exploded. he died, but he went out in style... I could I could live with it, but it's just the way that Barry's like, no, there's a force real bunk. Oh, uh, okay, I should have mentioned that earlier on. 
So then you're right. So then he comes back and he's like, oh, there's a force run. Oh, I won't do it. So then he gets out of the plane. Yep. And then he fights one of the original... Yeah, he fights the big one, the, yeah. the brute Kryptonian, and it looks like he's going to beat him, but he puts an explosive on the back of his head and he dies. And he dies, explodes. right? So the, so the second time, I, I, could, I can live with the fact that he went out fighting. But the fact is, after then he dies in Barry's arms, the creature gets up and... I think, so yeah, the but sec- he was because he, he only had a... He's Kryptonian, isn't he? He's always going to... Yeah, but, but this my point is, like they made Batman just look so... I did it. Pointless in this film. He's gone from infiltrating a Siberian like unit and taking out humans and, and everything like that and, and being awesome to now all of a sudden looking really redundant in a fight that he has no weight in, which you can argue is that because he's 70. But can I, can I just it say just well, doesn't make sense. Well, can I it's just a say market employee. Who, it, who thought that was going to sell well with people from who loved that Batman? Did you buy a ticket? Yeah, <laughs> I bought a ticket, so so it did work. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> I know it, it didn't. didn't. I know it, it didn't. It got me in the it, cinema. It, it didn't make me happy, James. <laughs> and ultimately, the film's meant to make me happy. I think if you look at even other aspects of it, I think the, the biggest selling point you've got in this film is you've got another shot at the Shannon, and that's not me being a massive mark. He is quite possibly one of the best villains in this universe. That he's probably the only one that's actually fleshed out. He, you know, he, he Lex Luthor, no. Mark Stan's a great actor. His problems as old is pretty good. And you waste him. You you have like three scenes. You don't give him any monologues. This, this, the fights you see him are CGI or very slow or plodding. He's menacing, but at the same time, it's, he, despite the fact that Kryptonians are always going to win in this universe, you never feel like they're ever going to win. They, they always kind of like look out and right. it's disappointing. So then, so that's the, the Supergirl thing. So you mm. okay, so you break her out, she kicks ass, she's awesome. Until she's not. Until she's not. Until yeah. until the point where actually Zod just keeps killing her over and over again, which again, I'm like, so that's all redundant, which gets you to the point where Barry has to realise it doesn't work. This timeline he's fell into, the bad guys win. And not only that, but it's destroying other universes. Right, so. <laughs> For there I am. You, so now, so I'm, now I'm at a point where I'm like, so my timeline then I have to believe is that the 89 Batman does two awesome things in 89 and then in 92 and then something doesn't... happens yeah. grows his hair long Zod comes down his world destroys Yes, he may or may not put on the suit because if Barry doesn't come back he may have just died as a billionaire in Gotham Yeah. so so how dare you? <laughs> How dare you make that the end of that person's character? You know, a lot of people, a lot of audiences are angry at that. That that the it col- makes no the, sense. The, the colonial, the canon ending of nineteen eighty nine Batman is to basically go out like a bitch. Yeah, to go out because Zod, and if it was done correctly, and and you know you brought in a a Bruce Wayne who's like I can't do it, and you know I haven't got the skill set anymore, or you know I've I've done my time. Yeah, and he, and he logans it, you know. Go, you know, he goes off into the sunset with his head held high, but knowing who he is, that's fine. Don't have him. Oh fuck it! I'll just drive into this spaceship. Let's see if that works, and then lose to lose to the only thing that you see him fighting, and then that thing get up, and then the flash just destroys him anyway. I just thought like it was a massive, massive fuck you to the Batman. Yeah. And th- so then, then you've got all the other stuff like you know the CGI. What do you think about? What do you think about Christopher Reeve? So this is a big question, probably not one we're going to answer now. How do you feel about dead actors who have not given their permission appearing in films that they they shouldn't? I've got to admit, it leaves a bit of a tacky taste in my mouth. Seeing Christopher Reeve, I was like, I know he probably would have wanted it because you know it was one of his biggest roles. But at the same time, he they didn't ask his permission. They've just kind of like gra- they have grave robbed him. Well, uh, I, sp- I, I suppose we don't know the ins and outs of what is in his. In his but still. agreement, yeah, because yeah, like still. you take an actor like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has, has said 
and he has signed that long after his death they can use his image in films. I still don't like. I, still, I know he's signed so, that, but I still don't like that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I mean, some. Yeah, I mean, is it done respectfully? That's the question, isn't it? Well, you just if kind of floats there. Yeah, so. if they showed you a scene where like his world was being destroyed. Yeah, you know, and obviously they do that as well with. Um, you should have had a West Batman as well, where you see him and you hear him a little bit. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Using the, there were ways that you could have done it where the audience would have gone, "Oh, just see the I know suit. Who, yeah, I know just, who that is." Yeah, just see, yeah. Audience members go. are smart enough to know the suit and the, the particular S and be like, "Oh, that was that Superman." And you could have definitely got Nicolas Cage in a suit. You didn't have to see. He gave his permission for his but, likeness, but game on for you three minutes. Mm. It's all you needed him for. So they have him fighting a giant spider, right? Yeah, Which yeah. is the cool thing that Nicolas Cage was going to do that with you know the Tim Burton movie. Um, where that was the ending and that was the the unsticking point is that it just didn't work that that was going to be how the finale was that's the Kevin Smith story so this film plays to cinema fans who know that story because if you don't fuck all you'll be like why is Nicolas Cage why is Nicolas Cage fighting a spider fighting a spider yeah so it's done with the cult followers um, you know intention knowledge yeah so why fuck up the 89 Batman (laughs) do you know it goes back to that point of like oh mate nothing mate I feel like I haven't even heard your biggest rage yet, but carry on. And then, I mean, yeah, the film the film then progresses and, you know, he comes back and I like this. He no, I know get- there is, I know limited about the comic books, but I do know there is a storyline in the Flash stories where he does go to the timeline and he, and it's not Bruce Wayne, it's Thomas Wayne is Batman. Yeah, so that's that's the original, that's what everyone thought they were doing, they are doing Flashpoint. It's yeah. called Flashpoint. The Joker but, is Martha Wayne. Well, in this storyline, and, and again, I don't know, I'm not going to claim to know, but the one thing I do know about the Flash storyline is that in that, the lightning scene where he tries to get um, the powers back, um, a, one of Aquaman's uh, villains destroys the chemical, so Barry just gets hit by lightning and dies. Uh, oh yeah, so yeah, there no, is a, there that, yeah. Is, so so I so I. It's get... very dark. The flashpoint thing is very dark, but also it's kind of what we wanted when we heard about this. I think fans wanted this. They yeah. wanted flashpoint. They wanted like a very vengeful Thomas Wayne. And, and I like, feel like what they've done is they've kind of gone. Oh no, the Snyderverse is known for being dark. Let's try and make this. They've lighter. They bastardized it. They've taken you know, the elements. Sorry, Affleck's suit is lighter. The baby scene's meant to be silly. You know, the burrito eating a burrito while saving a baby. I get that tonally. They try to move it from Snyder's kind of vision to, to, you know, the problem is they've got the model of the Flashpoint episode. That, by the way, one of Warner Brothers' animated films, the Flashpoint, one of the most successful. It's one of the most beloved. It's one of the most watched. They had the model for that, and you're right. They wanted that, but they needed to fill it with PG shit. So the model mm. doesn't fit the storyline. That's why it always feels a bit off. Yeah. Is, and then is, the, the big kick in the nuts is when he comes back to his I timeline. I fucking love this. <laughs> and I knew who it was when I heard his voice on the phone. <laughs> that he thinks everything is restored. And, he and has he's even saved, got a win. <laughs> he saved his dad, which is the point. He hasn't been able to save his mum. And also, it, what's really weird is he's, he's, he's like, oh, I'll go back and I will... Um, and again, this may be true to the comic books, I don't know. He's like, I'll go back and I'll just make sure she buys tomatoes. Yep. How about go back, use your powers and stop the person who breaks in your house and stabs your mum? Because that would have... Um, yep. Because the real sinister ending would have been, he realises, oh, I, my mum has to die for this to happen. So he's the killer because they don't ever show you who it was. So I thought, I thought, fuck you it up. I thought, if this, film, if this film ends like this, where he realises he has to do it, or... It would do something where when he goes back, he knows who did it, so he can, you know, yeah. the, the ending would be him choosing or not choosing the vengeance on that Batman. person. Fucking batshit. 
Thomas Wayne. You know, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that, but I was like, so the the plan is to get the. That's such a tedious thing, and I know. I know How why. How pissed off would you have been if it turned out that the killer was 1989 Batman to reset <laughs> the universe? <laughs> Might as well, because yeah. they fucking destroyed that character. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, that would make more sense if they CGI'd a young Michael Keaton who's like, "I've got a knife, your mum," so that you don't, so that you don't come do this to my fucking character. And he looks at the camera and he's like, "You all want me to do it, <laughs> mate? Heroic ending. I'm gonna fucking knife your mum." Oh, that's the third movie I need to see. <laughs> Bring it back. Um, yeah so it. it's George it's, Clooney George Clooney fucking loved it I, hats off to Clooney hats why off. not because that's he, the best that's the best Batman <laughs> I've seen him do do you know what he's been very open and honest like his time as Batman was shit he knows it was shit he said he, he, I believe his quote is they wanted me to be Batman what was I going to say no mm. you know I, I'll be honest I fucking adored it when it was Clooney because I was like redemption because do you know what it's the biggest middle finger to DC and Warner Brothers. You know why? Because it's widely acknowledged that Bruce Wayne, the worst, the worst Batman's George Clooney, and he's your fucking canon Batman. Yeah. Which basically means Snyderverse is dead, mate. They, they fucking stuck a fuck and it's dead. Yeah. But do you know what? They're not even finished there. Do you stick around for after seeing credits? Oh, no, they no, I didn't. fucking ruined Aquaman as well. What happened? He's just a drunk. He's just, he's just a drunk. It is the original actor, Jason Momoa, acting like a prick. And he's going, what am I like in other universes? And Mariana's like, oh no, you're pretty much the same. Therefore opening the door that Jason Moore can still be Aquaman in the future. It's shit. It, it, nothing survives. Probably when I saw it, I didn't think it was that bad. Well, I, the, But you know when it percolates mm. and it sits in your brain right and I realised how dirty they've done a lot of things. Well, I, I suppose they can kill Aquaman in the next movie because they've yeah. reshot certain scenes and I suppose they could do that. They could do it where he has to sacrifice himself because... Ultimately, so the, the, and this is always the case with time travel movies and where they fuck about with multiverses, which is like the thing at the minute. Yeah. But, but ultimately, so now my idea of timelines is my beloved Batman went out ridiculously poor yes. in this film and just like a destroyed the, the Michael Keaton Batman uh, image. Yeah. Uh, you've got Wonder Woman and Affleck who have just kind of disappeared because they're in a timeline that doesn't exist anymore or certainly one that we're not following. Yep. Or if we ever did come back to them too, the Flash would be gone because he's come back to a different timeline. So yep. there Barry Allen went and never came back. Yep. Which might be, solve the problem because <laughs> I think Affleck will come back. Yeah. Affleck, Aff, what's the Dark Knight, what's the other Dark Knight film that they haven't done? There's Dark Knight Returns or, no, there's Rises. There's Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. There's the infamous comic book. Is it Dark Knight Returns? I, oh, I don't remember. But, but there's, old there's, Batman. there's a lot of oh Batman Beyond. It was about so, old Batman so trying, he, who in the future tries. He basically becomes the butler and finds a young. So he Batman. apparently since his early twenties has been saying they need to turn that into a film. He's now they should everyone yeah. loves Batman Beyond. So I I think we will see Affleck back at some point as Batman years down the line. I do think we will. And, and I suppose it leaves that door open for his character, which is the only saving grace. So from what I can understand is you can have a timeline where yes. everyone is the same by one person. Yeah. Because Batman is different. Yeah. But apparently his dad's the same person. Well, I so think... that, sorry, that means that hopefully the timeline he went back to with Michael Keaton as Batman is not the 89 Batman. It's just a timeline where that is the Batman. I love the fact that you've decided to, to tell you this so you can live your life and I won't shatter that illusion. <laughs> because 1890, you know what, you know, what? <clears throat> I'm going to tell you now, 1989 Batman, you know how that ended? 
that ended him kissing Selena and then she electrocuting himself and him forever kind of being alone because the love of his life was dead. There you go. Yeah, I could have done. I could have done with a boat yeah. moment where like they're in the they're in Bruce Manor, Bruce Wayne Manor, and he's like, "Who's that?" He goes, "Oh, that's the Penguin." And it turns around, and it's not Danny DeVito because then that would have at least given me like a. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, that's cool. It's it's that like we've got a Zod, but it's not the Zod we know. Yeah. And we've got you know a, a Barry Allen, but he's not the Barry Allen we know. That would give me enough to say this is that Batman, but he's not the '89 timeline. I know you knew it was his voice, but did you ever consider that fucking George Clooney would be the reveal as Batman? I knew, I, I someone had said that there's uh, a there's a Batman in it, and I knew it one with Christian Bale, so I only left really. I mean, yeah. it could be about coming, but oh, I, I actually quite enjoyed it because everyone had a bit of fun. But it's also, it is also the Warner Brothers sticking a knife in the Zack Snyder universe because it basically says at the end of it, your Batman's the shittiest Batman. The, <laughs> it's the, such the, a fuck you. My yeah, my my big issue with it is is that it it's the last flush of of it all, isn't it? It's, it's getting done of it. Yeah, but it took out my favorite on the way, uh, yeah, and that yeah. is criminal. You know what I mean? Like th- this is the worst film I've seen this year. Like it was. I was so like unimpressed with just about all of it, and like I say, I had oh, a couple I think of scenes. All right. Oh, the the I'm so enraged by the Batman stuff. I I am to that what you are to The Witcher, that feeling of, of just oh, like yeah, oh yeah, you've done so much more. Yeah, it's it's. Do you know what? It's not a great time to be comic books at the minute, but I I do feel like I don't know about you. I'm pinning all my hopes on Deadpool. <clears throat> Deadpool is the only option to kind of like save my interest in superhero films at the moment because I'm I'm not interested. I mean, I will always go back to superhero movies. I do, uh, you know, and there's still a raft of them. I, I want to see another Pattinson Batman. Do you know, it's funny, I know we should have brought this up last week, I had more excitement being in the cinema watching Oppenheimer, a film without any prequels or sequels, than I have since I like sat in Endgame or or maybe the the Batman with uh, Pattinson. With Pattinson. It was actually, I'm more interested now in going for those <clears throat> films. I, yeah. I'm more excited to see Barbie than I am fucking, I can't think of one. Ant-Man 3. Mm. I have no interest now. I, I genuinely want to go for original films. I, I've, I'm dead. And Flash, whilst I didn't hate it, it's not a good film. It's okay. It's all right. But then again, it came up against one of the best superhero films, Into the Spider-Verse, it, it, which is phenomenal, which is yeah. weird because that's in and you didn't watch that. But again, because I thought it would go first, but... I, think, I suppose it, it goes back to that Star Wars conundrum of like the prequel trilogies when they happened, everyone hated them, but actually years down the line, you're like, no, I fucking love Ewan McGregor and I love Liam Neeson and I love Darth Maul and I loved all, Natalie Portman's character and I love like Naboo and all those places. Like mm. I think... And, you feel like you're going to be like the no, Flash? No, <laughs> not the Flash, but those characters. I do yeah. think I look back and be like, that Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movie yeah, was fucking brilliant. Ben and Affleck was Henry bad. Cavill was awesome yeah. and Affleck was great. And there's, you know, there's that moment in Batman vs Superman where Batman is fucking awesome taking names in that warehouse yeah and there are moments to it where I'm going to be like championing it but the flash it, to me was it's like not. it just was so, I really really didn't like it I, I'm really going to upset you now Ben Affleck was a pretty good Batman Henry Cavill I think was one of the best Superman we've ever had Gal Gadot was the defining Wonder Woman close your eyes mate we also now don't have a universe where J.K. Simmons is not Commissioner Gordon that's the one that hurts the most mm. yeah we never got that we got it for like three minutes. <laughs> Sad, isn't it? We even had Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Fucking hell, if you think about it, we had Amy Adams as Lois Lane. But we then, That then, universe that is dead, we don't know. 
we don't know actually how good on but paper is it, that was. Is it dead though? Because Suicide Squad will keep going. Peacemaker will still keep going. You know what you're talking about right now is why I've got no interest. Harley in Quinn don't will keep going. Don't care. Because they are successful. <laughs> so somehow they've got to get them away. It's going to be a thundercross that I'm not that interested in following. Well, now they'll use the, they'll use the Flash movie as the linchpin. Yeah. That'll be why you've got Peacemaker no longer, you know, in season two coming back and he's like, you'll wait, the first episode will be him waking up going, something's happened. And that'll be disappointing. It, it, it's, you've, you've, you're done screwed up and now we all have to sit in it. <laughs> so it's a go. mess. I get, I get, I get why the studios brought James Gunn in. It's like, just start again, mate. Just draw a line in all this. But if you're going to start again, you need to start everything again, not cherry pick, which is what they're doing. However, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because you hate the flash from the sounds of it. I did. I'm sorry, I did. I, I, and I wanted to talk about all these other films so passionately. I tell you what, there's a film on Netflix called um, "Fuck It." I've forgotten again. <laughs> I know what film is. Beckoning. No, no, Beckett. 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 I'm a Beckett. big fan of. Um, no, Happiness for Beginners. Very quickly, it's a Netflix movie out. It's number eight at the moment in the UK Netflix chart. Happiness for Beginners. It's a little indie uh, film that is uh, an hour 40. It's a soft romantic comedy. The romance of the comedy and neither like try to fight for the limelight. It's a it's one where they, they just so happens to have comedy and mm. a bit of a romance in it. Uh, the film stars Luke Grimes and Ellie Kemper. The film is around Ellie Kemper as a character who goes through a divorce she's I think she's 30, in her mid 30s she has a divorce and then she goes on a um, outdoor hike adventure survival course you know like kind of days in the wilderness with a group of uh, strangers to find herself you know you have to lose <clears throat> yourself to find yourself kind of metaphor and it, do you know what it's an hour 40 of just 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 taking you away it, there's no it, there's, there's no like outstanding performance or or outstanding comedy scene, or the the romance is 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 very woolen, but it's the backdrop of just a beautiful landscape of of wilderness and woodland that was a very enjoyable watch, and I would watch that again over Flash any day of the week. That sounds great. No context for this next sentence. Esther made me watch the Bratz movie the other day. The end. <laughs> That's our show for this week. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night, goodbye. <laughs>